Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Ribbon. This podcast is brought to you by Pete's Car Smart Kia. These guys are not here just to sell you a car, but they believe in building relationships with their customers and the community. Visit their website at petescarsmartkia.com and be sure to follow them on their social media platforms as well. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Hey Ryan, how are you today? Pam, I'm doing great. And you? I'm good. Hey, what's our favorite word around here? Oh, well, uh, favorite word in terms of podcast words or favorite word in terms of uh, survivorship words? Probably podcast. Podcast. Well, that has to be communication. You know, I think of our favorite two words as communication and free, right? Yeah, well, that was going to be my second choice. <laughs> that was definitely my second choice because that, yeah. is, that is what we offer is free stuff. That's right. You know, um, but sometimes communication can be hard, especially whenever you're in a relationship. Um, I know marriage, it takes a lot of communicating. Boy, it does it. <laughs> yes, um, but then add on uh, the stresses of a diagnosis. Yes, um, that can be hard. Yeah, and I know Pam, you you tend to um, uh, work with a lot of our survivors, um, going over their treatment summaries and care plans, and this comes up. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, it's by no happenstance wh- why we're discussing that today, right? That's right. We've been looking forward to uh, finding a. a a uh, speaker and a, a guest for talking about the, the stress on marriages and relationships due to a cancer diagnosis. And so uh, I, I'm super excited to jump in today. Uh, I'm going to introduce our, our guest. We're super excited, you guys, uh, to have Kathy Burns joining us. She's a licensed professional counselor, a writer, a teacher, and spiritual director. And in her first career, this is really interesting, Pam, in her first career, she was a certified physician's assistant and was drawn to medicine, who, oh, by the way, her husband is a physician, um, to medicine to help sick people and that are in pain. Uh, Her passion is to continue to journey with others uh, in seeking a way out of their pain, and she's expanded her focus to include not only the physical, but also the emotional and spiritual aspects. Kathy has a passion to help others transform their perception of life, inspiring a change in interaction with people and life circumstances, and that's a whole lot to say we are super excited to have Kathy Burns joining us today. Kathy, how are you? Well, I'm just kind of impressed with all the things you just said. Where did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Kathy has this wonderful website. And okay. uh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, you know, I do. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But no, you know, um, I think it's interesting, too, because you you come at it from two angles, right? I mean, you you worked in medicine. Um, your, your husband is in medicine and here you are, uh, helping folks from a, a licensed professional counselor standpoint, uh, but still focus on that healthcare aspect. Yeah. And I, I, it's kind of one way to put it. I come, I have the medical background, but it's this, I'm really, I'm a nerd. I love the science. In fact, on my, can't, no, on my desk, I have a laser drawn brain. This is the organ that I'm working with now. So it's, it's kind of a focus of science meets psychology meets spirituality. They're all kind of rolled into one. And I think it's just, it, it makes sense to me to apply all those. So sure. that's my approach. Oh, you've got a lot of tools in your toolbox. 
Yeah, I've worked at it a while. I'm old. <laughs> Keep working. We say seasoned around here. You're seasoned. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, Kathy, let's let's talk real quick. Um, just because um, you know, I used the word and the description um, with your your you're a licensed professional counselor, and some people may go, "Oh gosh, no counseling, mm, no way," you know. And uh, we actually, Pam, you know, we did a podcast with Tiffany, our counselor we work with, talking about the stigma and maybe the the what are the benefits and, and misleadings maybe of what you think or misthoughts that you think counseling is, but it's not. But I would like to hit some of those if we could kind okay. of let our, let our listeners know it there is, you know, there, what it is, what it's not, and so forth. Okay. I think, and I'm going to, I don't, I think it's changed a little bit since COVID, but I'll talk about that in a minute. But I think for many, many long, long time, there was this uh, kind of a two-pronged stigma of what are people going to think about me? There's something wrong with my brain. I have mental illness. If you have mental illness, you can't get any better. You can't hold down the job. There's something, you know, you're somehow not as good when actually, you know, there as many people with mental illness as there's people that have heart disease. You have heart disease. It's because there's something in your environment or your diet or your genetics that caused your heart to be sick. Well, for your brain, there's something in your raising, in your environment, in how you experience life and genetics that causes your brain not to function. I was kind of, you know, yeah. the same sort of deal. They're both organs and somehow we stigmatize the brain and it's really not fair. And I know lots of people they're very responsible, have great jobs, have mental illness. It doesn't, you just take care of it like you would a heart disease. And so there's that overall perception and stigma that society puts on it. And then there's that self-stigma, that shame that I'm somehow less than, and I can't speak about this because I don't know that how people will accept me. But there again, you know, if you truly understand what counseling is, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And I think that uh, in counseling, especially in this situation, it's no, not so much about, oh, you've got a mental illness. It's like, you've got a life struggle. and We you need a little extra expertise help on how to talk about it, how to problem solve. What are you going right. to do about your anxiety and how about your grief? And, how, you know, and I'm really glad to have this opportunity. I ran across an article uh, and I'm just going to read it. And this was way back 20 years ago. It was uh, written in the Journal of Psycho-Oncology back in, um, I think, two, well, it's about 20 years ago. And it says, families that were able to act openly, express feelings directly, solve problems effectively, had lower levels of depression. Direct communication of information with the family lowers levels of anxiety. Clinicians must be family focused as cancer affects the whole family, not just the patient. And so this was 20 years ago, you know, and if yeah. you've got cancer, you're not the only one with cancer. The whole family is dealing with that. And so this research 20 years ago says we've got to really be focused on the family, not just the patient. And so, and I say that to say, so how are you going to do that without a little help from a counselor? Kind of put all the pieces together for you 
they help you kind of make it simple to have a third party in there that's objective and mm-hmm. can help you uh, navigate this new journey that you're on. And so it, you can see a counselor more as a guide or an educated person to help you be, help the whole family experience this um, together as a team. This journey of having cancer in an effective way that you, where you have a positive outcome. I could go on and on. (laughs) No, I think that 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 statement you read from that that journal could have been written yesterday. I mean, still is a thousand percent true, Um, which which uh, coincidentally, not coincidentally, but just so to tag this in so our listeners, you know, follow along. um, We include caregivers. We include loved ones in our programs and activities. Um, when, when we can, there are a few that we can't right, Pam, that sometimes we're limited on space, but we include that. We also include that, uh, when they need counseling services here that we provide at the center. So, um, we let, we let the situation and the, the family dynamics kind of dictate who needs what and who, who goes where. Yeah. I'm glad y'all do that. You know, uh, in 20 years, not much has changed in that, um, which is we hope in modern medicine things change, but it cancer still affects the whole family, and that includes um, those that are in relationships. Well, and I wanted to mention with counseling now compared, you know, this the, I think that stigma is beginning to soften since the pandemic. I would because agree. We're all in this together, and we're all realizing we have this reality that's hard, and we're depressed, and we're anxious, and how do we get through that? What am I going to do? So particularly the younger generation, they are really, majority of them in my research, it's like, yes, I need a count. I want a count. I want this. I want to get better. So it's beginning to change a bit because there is a perceived, global perceived need for counseling. Yes. And I'll I'll say this too, another little side note uh, that came out of the pandemic, and we talked about this, I believe, in that episode, Pam, about um, breaking the stigma of counseling. Um, You know, everything went virtual, right? And so uh, we were real hesitant to do do telecounseling. I say we, Tiffany, we talked about it, was really hesitant because it's not quite the same, obviously, as face-to-face, but it kind of forced the issue. And actually, it's been wonderful to do telecounseling. Amen. She's, I mean, it's it's open doors to people who wouldn't otherwise have time because maybe they're working and couldn't be there. And they just, they go out to her, to their car and have lunch while they're doing their counseling visit with Tiffany um, on, on the phone virtually. So um, we're very flexible, you guys that are listening, just so you know, uh, bottom line is, 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 is basically we're here to help you and we want to make sure that we walk this journey with you. Yeah, and and the individual counseling is important and I don't know if we get to this, but there's, I think also uh, for families, there's group counseling, there's support groups, which I think y'all probably have. We do. Which, which is invaluable to be in a group. I have led a group of of women for several years, well, it wasn't just women, of people who with chronic conditions, and they didn't miss. I mean, it was like, I'm going to go to where people get me and just to fill that connection. So even that support group is considered counseling, but it's a good support. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad y'all have that. Yeah. So what would you say the most common relationship issue or hardship that a couple faces once they get a diagnosis? Um, 
I I have some other little thing to go into before we get there. Okay. This is, this is important, uh, and, and hopefully it'll make sense. Uh, I think that any kind of situation or problem that we have, it's going to be our mindset in which we get, in which we have as we go into it. Uh, I should have, I'm sorry to interrupt the flow, but I had this in my mind, uh, but it came to me as we sat down. Uh, uh, cancer is a crisis mm -hmm. and it, it sets you back but it's interesting and i have a, a textbook i'll just show y'all but this is interesting this is a crisis textbook but it has these these chinese characters on there what is that about well the two characters mean danger and opportunity so mm -hmm. in a crisis can be an opportunity so as we begin to talk about these problems that mm -hmm. people face and what are the crucial ones we need to have the mindset what kind of opportunity does this present to me this is a crisis i can grow from this what you know that resilient sort of mindset so i just want to kind of put a tag in there that this is our approach is is having that positive mindset and i want to do two things with that then i'll go into the problem is that you know uh first of all just this month um there was a article that came out about tim keller who has cancer and tim keller had written dozens of books he was a pastor in new york city he uh started a church back in 89 it's just the redeemer you know all this stuff well a quote from him is he's diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He had less than a year to live. He's lived two years now. The first thing he said, first time he was diagnosed, uh, he was upset with God just a little bit. But as he got settled in, he began to say, I really need to focus on my life now. I realized it wasn't right to come to the end of our lives without improving our marriage. He pointed to his marriage right off the bat. What were those things that she had been able to talk about? Cause I didn't respond well, she'd give up. Well, what can we talk? How can we make this better? How can we end this marriage in a, in a better, and they end up working on it. They had breakthroughs. They're stronger than they ever were before. And he began to discover that this suffering that he was going through really, and I love this quote, and it was around Easter, this article is about his, uh, his uh, how his attitude has changed toward the resurrection. Uh, he was saying that, I do think that the great thing about cancer is that Easter does mean a whole lot more because I look at Easter and I say, because of this, I can face anything. In the past, I thought Easter was kind of optimistic, a great way to think of life. But now I see Easter is a universal solvent that can eat away through my fear, my anger, my despair. It's more powerful than ever. ever. So to say that, because he had this diagnosis and he chose to look at it as an opportunity, how can I improve things and make that better? He dove into his relationship with God. He now is even more faithful and in uh, sturdy and, and realizing the experience of God that he ever has been. He's written books and books and books. You know, who could teach him anything? But it was because he had this crisis. So I want to just give one scripture 
and then we'll dive into what all the problems are. Yes. And a scripture that speaks directly to that, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. And this is uh, the message. This is Paul talking. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. And what he, in fact, did was push me to my knees. No danger of me walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift. And I begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into your weakness, comes into its own, into your weakness. Well, once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on my handicap and began to appreciate the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in my, my weakness. Now, I take these limitations and stride with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Just kind of wanted to open up because that is, you know, I can give you all kinds of communication tips, what, how you need to speak, how you need to listen. But unless you have the motivation to really realize I'm loved by God and he's in this with me, and this limitation is only going to expand my strength is I let him work through me. That's the only way to do it. Um, I believe that, I think it was your sweet mayor quoted that verse, Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful disposition is good, good for your health. Gloom and doom leaves you bone tired. Yeah. And another Proverbs 4, 23, carefully guard your thoughts because of their source of life. So as we start talking about what our obstacles are and what we struggle with, Keep in mind to begin, okay, how are my thoughts? What is my attitude toward this cancer? Am I letting it control me or can I control my attitude? That's the only thing you can control is your attitude. So, well, and I especially, just, especially at a time like that, you know, Pam, we've discussed that countless times where the moment you hear the words, you have this type of cancer, there, your control is pretty much turned over to your medical team. That's right. And if you can control your emotions and control your uh, feelings towards that, you're right. Uh, it's one of those things, uh, Kathy, that what can you control? And we always look for control, especially those of us that are really like control. Yeah. <laughs> that be you? <laughs> I'm not going to say. <laughs> but I would, I would guess, you know, in a relationship, um, naturally there's a lot of crises, right? We, we all go through a variety of levels of crises, um, throughout a relationship and, and, uh, whether it's a marriage or, or friendship or whatever the relationship is. Um, but when couples, when one of the, of a couple is diagnosed with cancer, um, I, I, I not, not having been there, um, I, I would imagine I'm just going to take a stab, a guess, and I'll probably be wrong, Pam but I'm okay with that is communication has to be my, my thought of one of the biggest hardships that happened through there. Pam, did you have something to say? No, I think that's probably true. I mean, I think it's hard. Um, cause I feel like probably for me as a caregiver, 
um, I would want to fix it and not hurt that other person's feelings. And so how do I communicate to them what I'm feeling and how this affects me? And vice versa, as in a patient role, I think that would be the same way. I don't want to hurt my family. I want to, but how do I communicate? These are my needs. And I think in the the uh, whole big picture of relationship and people in a relationship with someone who has cancer is that uh, you have a marriage and that's, you know, I'm going to talk about marriage first. And a marriage is not, is an us, as we talk about in marriage counseling. It's a third entity. It's, you know, I've been married 46 years. And so you've got Kathy and you've got Rusty, but then we also have who we are together. And a lot of times people don't work on that us. They get pretty independent and they're busy with their lives. And then you get the diagnosis of cancer. Like, whoa, how are we, who are you? How are we going to do this together? What can I do to build this team? Because you go from that team and that nucleus of this couple to the children, to the family, to mm-hmm. friends, to healthcare, then it just, it's a big circle that expands, but that little nugget in the middle is that team of us. Mm-hmm. How are we going to do this? How are we going to navigate this new normal? What is this about? And so I think it's good to not, you know, co- communication is important. I'm certainly going to give some, some uh, helpful uh, discussion about communication, but before we ever start there, again, that's that mindset toward the other person and yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like in this, is a couple, you know, am I thinking, um, can I think during the day positive things about the other person? Am I spending time with that person to try to understand how they feel? Uh, can I give the gift of my presence? Can I, you know, maybe light a candle or take something to them in bed? Or what can I do for each other to build that sense of community? So I think that that is not words. That is how how am I going to be connected mentally and spiritually to this person a little bit? And if you haven't done that well before that, this is a good time to start that for sure. Um, of having that, Uh, trying to improve that perception you have of the other person and being aware of of, uh, maybe your own insecurities and how that might impact how you might connect with the other person. Uh, I also have, and as we begin to talk about communication, what all we say today, we're going to say a lot of stuff, but I'm going to say this is going to be, there's five things you're going to need is you go forward to communicate, to connect, to do this in a team fashion. And I just, I I thought of the word focus when I read how Tim Keller, his first thing he thought of, okay, I really need to focus and do those things. I thought, focus. And if you remember these five things, I think it's really going to help you communicate. It's going to help you uh, be a team. It's going to help you go forward and grow. It's going to be a positive experience. The, The F is for What's the first thing? What is the most important thing for us? What is our priority here? What do we want to accomplish? Is it going to be to keep continuing my career? Or is it going to be, how can we spend more time with the family with the time we have left? And then how are we going to do that? Sit down together and figure out, okay, what's the first thing? What's the most important thing that we really is going to make our priority in the next six months as we go forward? 
the the O stands for to be open, to be transparent, to don't stuff things in. There's a old there's a book written back in 2000, uh, Beyond Chaos, and this was a Greg Peburn, and he was writing about being a caregiver to his wife who had a serious illness. And the very first page, almost the first paragraph in his preface, he writes. He begins to realize after several years. He wasn't open. He wasn't expressing his own feelings. He didn't even know how he felt. He was so busy doing things, he was totally unaware. And so by being open and vulnerable and sharing and not, not stuffing and, and having that sort of uh, flexibility about you is going to be important if you want to grow and go forward. And the C is for cooperation. This is a team. It's not about one person. It's a team effort. So we're going to learn to be whatever I'm doing. Is it going to be good for the us? Is that would that be good for the family? Would that be good? Primarily, the patient is the concern, but that patient needs all this support also. So be thinking in terms of is this this is this cooperative? Is this going to be good for the whole team? And the you is so important. It's understanding. Stephen Covey said, you know, in his famous book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, seek first to understand, then to be understood. You know, if the mindset of, I don't, I need to really listen and understand what this person is meaning. That's the first thing in communication to listen. What are they meaning to say? Be curious. Don't be judgmental. Don't be thinking, you know, what they're going to say or you're, you know, resentful or whatever that way, what, let me just really be open and curious and seek to understand what they mean. Because if somebody feels understood and feels like you're present with them and you get it, they're going to feel loved. They're going to feel like you care about them. Yeah. And the same for you to be understanding yourself. Why did that get me so irritable? Okay, let me think of you know, that self-awareness. So that I seek to understand that S to get support, get support, you know, get the group group support, get the counselor, get, you know, financial support, get the healthcare team, just, you know, really don't try to do this all by yourself. So I just wanted to bring up those five things as kind of the structure as we go about the rest of this, that it always makes sure it feeds it. Now, did that make sense? Oh, yeah. Uh, I might have felt a little little hot under the collar like <laughs> it was coming you know I, I I could sense you know I can see that there's there's a lot of areas that sometimes I know um yeah I could I could benefit from and in, in building that team uh and us and I would imagine some of our listeners as well um the interesting thing is I can't tell you how many times I've heard like you, you talked about understanding um trying not to think about what you're going to say to the person in the moment when they're talking to you. I'm guilty of that sometimes. How am I going to respond to this rather than sitting there really and giving that full focus and that full attention to understand exactly what they're saying? Um, yeah, I know exactly where that's coming from. <laughs> These five things are very simple things that you can keep in your toolbox. I mean, yes, there, there are things that we can all do. Right. Yeah. And, and just so I, want, I know we're going to be throwing lots of information in the next whatever minutes we got left, but just grab a hold of that and make sure it passes the test a little bit. That's right. Oh, goodness. So, 
I really appreciate the, the description too. I've never really thought of in a crisis, danger or opportunity. That's very interesting to me because, um, you know, normally those two words may not go together. It's, it's either dangerous or it's healthy or it's dangerous or, un, you know, it's not dangerous, but for, to see it as an opportunity, I know um, a lot of good things come out of crisis and just as you said, and their opportunities. But let's talk about you know communication. Other than the other than keeping in mind focus, are there any other tips, Kathy, that you have for our listeners? Oh yes, oh yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, well, eighty percent of communication is nonverbal. People are probably surprised to hear that. It's just the words. I communicate very well with my dogs, and they don't speak English. <laughs> we, we get each other pretty good there's one of them laying right here um but you know so there's tone and there's body language and there's all that communicates and just being totally aware of that um and like you see we're talking about ryan the active listening you know listening to what the person's saying and not thinking about what you're going to say but you know it's hard to do that you have to put you know you have to practice that put your phone away you know, they in this day and time were constantly distracted. Yes. You know, I was having a conversation with a neighbor the other day and my phone kept buzzing in my pocket. And I was like, stop, I've got to listen to her. Yes. I don't want to be distracted. There's a lot uh, of things competing for our attention. Yes, absolutely. And so it's this learning how come then we're going to talk about this. Um, let's see. And so if you intentionally listen, uh, when you're listening, don't assume that you know what your partner's thinking. Yeah. Uh, you ask questions to make sure you understand and then repeat back to them. Well, is this is what I'm hearing you say? Is this what you mean? And I'm surprised sometimes how I get it wrong. No, that's not exactly what I meant. I meant this. So in part of a communication and making sure you understand, have them repeat it back. Make sure you got it clear. That's going to slow things down, too. It's you don't go fast. Yeah. Take your time when you're trying to understand something. Um, don't be sarcastic and critical and insulting. You know, you want to have this positive regard <laughs> as yeah. you're talking to somebody. And we talk about um, I statements, which is just simply, you know, this is an old thing everybody's heard of probably and uh, don't blame the other person and so just state the situation like i feel sad when you don't go with me to the doctor's appointment or i feel sad if um if you're on the phone and we're eating lunch or right? i feel alone or i feel you know i feel this when this happens without calling the person a jerk or you know name calling or whatever you're about you don't care about me or whatever when you, no just express in how it makes you feel when this happens is how I feel now. Now he's not, or she is not responsible for your feelings necessarily, but they need to be aware of what their actions are doing. When I say that, that's part of that regulation. You might feel unloved when he's, when he's not with you, but are you in love? You're really not unloved. Maybe. You know, so we kind of have to regulate that ourselves, but it's good to let him know, let her know. Right. I'm really missing you. I really need that. You know, it's, it's, a part, it's about expressing your needs. Um, 
Oh, this is just real simple. When you're talking and have a serious conversation, focus on one topic at a time. Do not get a rabbit trail and get off on this and that. Oh, let's talk about that tomorrow. Let's keep on our topic. Have you ever got off topic? Uh, time of three. <laughs> Squirrels. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And so this is just makes it easy. Just stay, just stay on topic. Um, and it, and it, that's why it's also good if you have a very difficult thing to talk about and you can't stay on top of you keep being activated, go to a counselor, you know, and, and that reminds me of this fact, conflict isn't bad. Conflict is inevitable. Conflict is good. What do you mean by that marriage counselor? <laughs> if you can actually talk through and be open and honest and carrying through something that you don't agree on, you're going to be closer in the end than you were before. If you stuff and not share and to go along and don't really talk about it, you're going to feel distant. So by going through and talking things over when you don't agree is, is a positive thing. It's going to make you closer. And speaking of that, what specifically for cancer, or really it's any, any couple, uh, you're going to have different coping mechanisms. Uh, but it's a little more heightened when you have someone's very ill, like, um, like maybe someone feels, uh, not having a bad pain day or, or I'll just give an example. Well, I'll be general. Then I'll give an example. You're having a bad pain day or they're really fatigued. And really when this person has that, they just really want to, to have someone just be with them and not say anything and just kind of hold, just, just be present. For the other person, if there's something's going on, they want to fix it. They want to jump in and get take care of it. That's how they do it. And have a discussion. Well, my need and my coping is different than your needing. It's not wrong, but we're just different. different. And it's okay. My husband and I are so different, but I think we make a good team. He's more logical and black and white. I'm the counselor. I'm emotive and more, more emotionally connected. You know, so, but together... So be able to talk about your differences without it causing a big rift. And I just wanted to give an example. And it, my mother had cancer and she had just gotten the word they weren't going to have any more treatment. It was over and it was time for hospice. And so she was ready. She was all good for that. Well, my dad, who's a chemical engineer, he's an inventor. He's in his 80s. He doesn't know how to emotionally emote whatsoever. Well, he gets up. And gets his little briefcase and says, where are you going? I'm going down to the library to see if I can't read something about this and see if we can figure this out. Okay, you go do that. Yeah. That's how he always dealt with problems. I got to go fix it. Figure it out. Mm -hmm. And my mom at this point was relieved, but she didn't really want to talk about it. She just wanted somebody to be with her. I was there. I was with her. So we just sat quietly and watched whatever and you just so communicating about what you need is important and not getting offended by that because people are going to be different but another a couple of fun things that you need to make sure you do don't always talk about the cancer yeah. <laughs> talk about the past talk, get a scrapbook out talk about this talk about that or talk about those uh, things that you enjoy, maybe a mutual hobby, or maybe there's certain foods that you like, if you feel like eating, you know, just, just have fun talking about fun topics, celebrate, you know, find things to celebrate and do things that make you laugh. Watch, 
funny videos or whatever it is. You know, Norman Cousins wrote a book, uh, Anatomy of the Illness, a long time ago. And he had some illness back in the 60s. They didn't know what it was. And he just spent weeks looking at comedies and laughing. And he actually got a little better because yeah. he was just laughing. <laughs> but to laugh together is a bonding experience. The biochemistry that goes on in your brain when you're doing that is good. And so I guess I'm kind of giving activities along with, this is connecting activities, sure. communication and how to connect and feel safe with each other. Uh, and I could keep talking, but y'all may have a time. No, that, that's okay. This is so good. I know some of our listeners, especially if you're driving, you're going to need to come back to this with a notepad. You know, we talk about that, Pam, a lot, right? We may need to come up with some beyond the ribbon notepads. There's so much, some of our podcasts have so much great information. You need to take some notes. And uh, just like this, I mean, it's easy to remember the word focus, but you may not remember what every one of the letters stand for, but um, definitely, definitely go, go back and, and follow up on this. Uh, you know, Kathy, some of the things that we we know that we have dealt with here at the, at the Survivorship Center with some folks and, and visiting with, and when one is diagnosed and they have children, um, and they have um, an extended family and all of those. Let's kind of dive in, if we can, to some of the other challenges that, that our, our um, couples and marriages may face. Okay, uh, let's start with the children. And then I'm going to maybe talk about some practical things on how to involve some of the, of the other family members. Uh, children need to be in the loop. Children need to know a little bit about what's going on. Uh, they know that something important, depending on their age, they know that something important is happening. They hear people talking, but they don't know what they're talking about. And so then their imagination can just go, well, I wonder what, you know, they need to be told in a way they can understand. A three-year-old is told something differently than a 10-year-old, you know, because they're all part of this environment. And the more that they know and understand, the less anxious they're going to be. Uh, you, a lot of people think, oh, we kind of keep it from me. We want to upset them, but they know. They know they're more upset not knowing what on earth is going on. Uh, they know a lot more than you think. Uh, and when you talk to them, and a counselor can help you make it age appropriate, uh, you might even be seeing their behavior change a little bit. A little child is going to be a little more impulsive and clingy and they don't know what's going on. An older child may be a little more distant and anger. And no, it's not about you. They're trying to deal with this too. They have their own coping mechanisms trying to understand what's happening. I think it's good not only to tell them or communicate to them, but give them a purpose. Give them, mommy's going to really need you to uh, help her with dinner. You know, if you can be here and pick things up for me when I need, you know, or, or mommy really needs you to um, make sure that you can, when sister cries that you can comfort her a bit, not giving them a parent role necessarily, but giving them something. They're part of this family. They have a role that they can do. And I think you need to create a safe place for them to be able to talk about it. Even say, you know, you're going to be confused or anytime you have a question, Please let mom or dad know. I need to understand what's going on for you. Um, they they need to have their schedules uh, kind of the same. Don't don't disrupt their schedule too much if you can. Uh, 
what I mean by that, you can get another family member or maybe another parent, anybody ever, everybody loves to help. Like if they have soccer practice every Thursday night, make sure they get to soccer practice every Thursday night. Maybe you can't take them, but you can arrange something with another parent to come pick them up. And that's where you're involving other friends. I don't know very many people that mind helping, helping out. Right. And that's specifically something they can do. So try not to disrupt their schedules, uh, try to be sensitive to those things that they need. Each child is different. I had one child, he likes touch. He likes rub back rubs and physical touch. And another child, she likes those words of affirmation and she would try to do those. I'm like, and so you still continue to pour into them, particularly because they want to feel like they're part of the family. Did y'all have anything in mind? And be patient with them because this is hard for them too. And I don't think you can sugarcoat the situation at hand. And that's why um, it's important for patients if they have children and need help talking to their children that they give us a call um, because they can get in with Tiffany and get some counseling to help that situation. Yeah. And, you know, just as you said, Kathy, I think it's important to just to kind of try to keep it as normal as possible with those kiddos. Like you said, choir concert, soccer practice. And uh, one thing, Pam, that she said that I would love to just revisit, you know, um, this has come up in several of our podcasts, too, about people wanting to help and everybody wants to help and they want to help and they want to help. And sometimes you don't want help and you don't you just want, you know, you're going to do it. But if you need help, then take advantage of that. It's okay to ask for that help. You know, uh, I can't remember who it was on one of our podcasts that said they, you know, they wanted to pick their kids up from school. And she said, no, I want to pick my kids up from school. That's my job. I want to do that. And she was able to do that. But if you're not able to, whatever that may be, definitely that's a good opportunity to take advantage of, of that with those, those folks. Yeah. Who want to help. Another way people can help our family members is kind of gently go into that. Uh, I don't think it's good to ever go to a doctor's appointment by yourself. Have someone go with you. Y'all have already talked about that. Have someone that kind of is comfortable with medicine. I mean, I've done that for people and can understand what they're talking about. Can maybe ask those questions and be those ears for you. Take a journal, make notes, have someone that will be there for you because you may be tired or hearing too much. And so find a family member, maybe who's a nurse, you know, whatever, and to help you. I mean, finding someone that's part of your team. But you got, you got a couple family friends that they will be glad to help and make this journey a little bit easier. God made us to live in community and we need to use that community as we go forward. Right. So we talked about family stresses and the challenges of that. What other stresses um, do patients have? Um, Well, they have the, the patients maybe have the stress of, Maybe they're used to being the independent one, and now they have to be dependent. And they used to, like you were talking a while ago, Ryan, uh, the roles and responsibilities for everyone changes mm-hmm. in learning to how to balance how to balance that. Maybe the person who's the survivor or the helper, he's not, or it's a she, or maybe it's the, maybe it's the the mom, the wife has the cancer and now it's the dad's problem, the, the dad's issue to kind of be more of the caregiver for her and everybody else. He's not used to doing that. So she sees him doing that. She feels guilty. She feels bad. Oh my, you know, it's time to, to you know, it's, that's when it's time to communicate. That's when it's time to talk. Let's talk. Can we, how we, can we do this differently? We're going to have to do it this way. I don't feel like doing this. 
what can I, you know, and you learn to cooperate with each other. So I see that being a stressor when you can't do those things that you always could have done before and happen to, to share those roles with somebody else. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if y'all have ever talked to, probably you've talked about that before. Um, and then trying to do what you've always done. And then this is my new normal. Well, you may have to break things down into smaller steps. You may have to not, you know, clean the house in one day, just do one room, or just do, man, you know, take three or four days to do it. Or, you know, or you might need to ask for help. People are asking all the time what they can do for help. Well, be specific. Well, today, this week, I need you, I need you to pick up the grocery order for me at Walmart. Or could you do that every Friday for me? That'd be great. You know, just knowing how to delegate to people, um, knowing that people are going to react differently to you. And that's a, that's a stress. This friend is not talking to me anymore. What's going on? She's just ghosted me. I don't know what's going on. Well, don't take that personal. Some people don't, they feel awkward with that. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to have a, a conversation with you anymore because you have cancer. Well, know that you can speak up. You can, you know, I would still approach that person. Let them feel comfortable. I don't mind talking about that, but we don't have to talk about that. I'd still do mention just having that social interaction can be a problem, can be an understanding why that's changed and how that's different. Um, but if you don't want to talk about your cancer, you don't have to talk about your cancer. You're in control, you're in control of that. But to understand people's reactions are about them and not because you're somehow not loved or not cared for anymore. Um, I think understanding your own limitations, it changes day to day, moment to moment, hour to hour, depending on your fatigue and whether what you're on chemotherapy or what's going on um, and managing that uh, and letting your, and we talked about couples in a relationship, letting your people in your family understand, well, today is a low energy, energy, day, energy day for me. I'm, you know, I got ready today and I'm already tired. I'm going to have to spend some time in my room. And so I really need you to do that. You know, don't just suck, you know, suffer and stuff it in and do it anyway. Know your own limitations and communicate that your limitations, what they are for today. Cause it's good to have other people know that. And I think that's a difficult one. At least I know that it would be for me because it's so unpredictable, right, Pam, as they're going through treatment, like, Normally it's the second day after that I don't feel so great, but gosh, today is the day and I'm not, it is not happening. It's just so unpredictable. And it, it, you know, you've got plans. You're supposed to be here and you're supposed to be there. And that kind of goes back to one of our earliest episodes about the spoon theory. Yes. Remember that, Pam? I know the spoon theory. Oh, see, we did not. And I'm speaking for Pam because we did not. It was with Mary Margaret Gertie, and she talked about the spoon theory. And we were like, what? What are you talking I told about? I Mary Margaret about that spoon theory. Oh, so see, now we found the root of the spoon theory. <laughs> but that's no, I'm the not the root. I heard it from somebody else. Heard it from the spoon theory is great. Go ahead and tell me. You, you go ahead and yeah. No, I was going to say, you know, it, it's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, if you know you've got to do X, Y, and Z today and tonight, you certainly maybe this morning need to reserve a few of those spoons because you're going to spend them later going to dinner or going to the choir concert or to the soccer game. Um, maybe that means you can't do the dishes this morning, or maybe it's the laundry has to sit. Um, just reserve those spoons so that you're ready for that. Um, and it's an ever, ever evolving process. 
Yeah, and, and in communication, talking about that again, your family not needed to understand about the spoon theory. Well, I've already used five out of my eight spoons today. Yeah. <laughs> I need some help. It's been and a rough it, day. It lightens it a little bit. It's not so, you know, it's just a what our new normal. I never know how many spoons I got when I get up. You know, it's okay. But why do we have to be so hard on ourselves? to not be okay with not doing the things that we need to get done and asking for help? Well, I think a lot of us, uh, I know I was raised to be task oriented and what all I could get done and do well, then that makes me a better person. And I need to be independent. I don't need to rely on anybody and you need to do your own thing. And, and I think you're in the habit of that. And I think that's the beauty almost are the gift that slowing down gives you that you realize my tasks aren't what's important my relationship is it doesn't matter if my carpet's vacuumed every three days or once a week I could just pick up that fuzz that I see it's not a big deal I want to have time to spend with my little girl when she comes home from school today that's what's important it really forces you to focus in relationship priorities and not so much on all the tasks and by letting somebody do something for you is actually a benefit, not only for you, but for them to be able to do that. So, and I feel like a lot of us learned how to slow down in 2020. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Uh, you know, and that's a, good point. that's a great point, Kathy, that you brought up by letting someone else do something for you, you're bringing joy to them. Absolutely. And at the same time, you're getting the benefit of that being done and not having to spend a spoon or two spoons. Right. And, and, and there's a biochemical response in the brain both ways, you know, and it can improve your health and, and as well as theirs. I mean, it just makes you feel better. Um, something I did and someone gave me the idea to do it uh, for, for anyway, cancer I just listened to her conversation. I knew she was going to have to go in every morning for, I don't know how many weeks to get radiation on a certain place. And, and she had to go in by herself before work, sit on a cold table, have all those little tap, you know, all this stuff. So, and I wasn't working at the time. I just met her every morning with a cup of coffee at eight o'clock at the, at the center. And I sit in the waiting room while she did it. And so then and she, was finished we had a little chat and she went on i saw her the next morning i wasn't any big deal what 30 minutes but that's that you know she didn't necessarily ask for it uh, but if you're one with with the uh cancer and you're the patient don't hesitate to ask a friend to be there for you if you hate to do something and to get a scan or get radiation by yourself be, you learned how to communicate your needs because emotionally that fills you. Then that then that makes your uh, mindset better. You're thinking better. It has a ripple effect. And I want to mention one more tiny thing: how all this interacts. You know that uh, Jesus said to love your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And these four things: heart, soul, mind, and strength. When we can attend to our emotion and our heart and who we feel that we are and be attentive to that, be able to communicate that and then connect with God, whatever that is every day, but songs uh, or reading the Bible or devotional, but get connected to God. That was going to impact how you feel about yourself. And as you, however you feel about yourself and how you're spiritually connected, your soul is going to determine how you think. 
and how you think and the thoughts that you think, thinking impacts brain chemistry more than anything I know. It's even epigenetic, which I won't go into all that, but it's powerful. And then your physical body, the more you take care of your physical body and get the rest and food and whatever you need, then you're going to think better. You're going to feel better about yourself. It, it just, it's all, it's all intertwined. It's not like I'm just going to do one thing. You got to do all of them, but they're all interacting. So as you communicate to your friend, I really would love to, if you can be there for me Wednesday, I hate going by myself. That's going to do a lot for you. Mm -hmm. That's going to really benefit your overall disposition of how you face the day when you can ask for help. That's right. And that's so hard. It really is. At least, at least sometimes I struggle with asking for help. It's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And uh, yeah, simply asking for help. The, the interesting thing, Kathy, that you talk about how all this intertwine and how it goes so closely together, um, it, it, it kind of goes back to a little bit of that word focus because you talked about cooperation. It's a team. So just like cooperating, you know, of all of the things and the, the mind, spirit, heart, focusing on all those things, um, you don't have to do this alone. And that shifts right back, Pam, to us. That's right. We are here for you. Um, the, there's a lot of daunting information here <laughs> just because it's a lot, but it's so wonderful. But the thing of it is, is you do not have to go through this alone. Um, no. You know, Pam, we've got what? So many resources that cost them how much? Nothing free. Nothing. You know, if you're not filling up to driving uh, yourself to treatment today, call chemo cars. That's right. Um, if you need a little laugh, you can come to Qigong. If you need a little support and learn how to communicate, support group's great. That's right. Um, taking care of yourself, massages. Um, there's so much that we offer, and we are truly here uh, for you or anyone that is going through cancer. So if you have any questions, give us a call at 806-331-2400. Yeah, and one of the things, too, that I think is important for our listeners to know, Pam is not the end-all, be-all expert, and neither is Ryan. And so what we look at is, is if you have something that you are needing assistance with, whether it's a financial assistance or whether it is um, whatever it may be, um, if we don't have it or we don't know where to help get that, we're going to find it for you. And that's, right. uh, that, that's a commitment, much like, you know, we committed for the podcast to finding uh, fantastic, great topics that are very relevant to the situation that you guys are in or have been in. But the same thing with with resources for you guys. Um, and then the last thing I would just I would just say, too, and I know, Kathy, I think you would probably echo this uh, self-care. We've touched a little bit about on that. Um, but how important is it for our listeners to remember to take care of themselves? Well, the self-care is also involves everybody. Yes. And I'm thinking right now, what popped into my mind was the caregiver. That I think that uh, it's kind of like when the oxygen mask drops down from the airplane, who's supposed to get it first? The you. person next to you. Yeah, yeah. You are. And then, the little, and then the little child next to you can do it. If you don't take care of yourself as the caregiver, you're going to get burned out and angry and resentful. And then you can't do give the loved one the care that you want to give them because you're so burned out. And so 
that self-care involves all those four areas I was talking about, your body, your what you're thinking, your your soul connection, you know, it may be that you need to walk every day. It may be you need to connect with a friend every day, or maybe you need to have some time alone, or maybe you need to go have yoga or go to a dance class or whatever you need to do to refill because you get empty. And that's for the cancer uh, patient also that they don't need to be cancer, cancer, cancer all the time. You do need to do something creative. You do need to uh, maybe journal and write some things because writing is a way to process that, that helps brain chemistry also, or visit with a friend, an old friend you haven't talked to in a long time, or, you know, it's just so important to refill. That's what I see self-care is, is refilling of yourself. I could go on and on about self-care. It's so very important. Well, we believe in it as well. Uh, gosh, you know, a lot of times we talk about here at the center, we talk about, you know, a wellness class, whether it's water exercise or whatever the case may be. But we always make sure that we tell our folks and those of you that are listening, it's not all about, you know, a key gong or, or a walking group. We have fun activities, um, you know, a flower arranging class. We do outdoor hikes. We do fly fishing activities. Um, these are all fun things, but golly, they are great for self-care. And as Kathy, you said, refilling and, and, and rebuilding um, kind of that mental escape. So uh, we try to provide those as well. So this leads us to our last segment. Um, Kathy, thank you, first of all, for sharing all your wealth of knowledge. I'm sure you have lots more to share. Um, but let's leave our listeners with the Pete's Powerful Moment. We are sponsored by Pete's Car Smart Kia, and we would love to hear your powerful moment. Okay. Um, what I thought of immediately when I realized you wanted me to share a powerful moment, it was it was a group of of. Uh, they were all ladies and they all had serious illnesses. We had met for, oh, for several months and they have an MS. One of them had Lou Gehrig's, one of them had rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, a young lady had lupus. And it was all these things. And they had gathered and bonded. And the lady with the Lou Gehrig's came in her wheelchair because we had watched her gradually deteriorate over the weeks. But she embraced life. This lady was there when they made the, when they built the, um, uh, what is that bridge called between South America? <laughs> I'm just blanking on that. And the in, in Central America, that little that little bridge right there. I just blanked on it. Um, but she she was feisty. I mean, she wore beautiful wigs. She had beautiful scarves. She had elaborate skirts to cover her bag. You know, she was embracing life. Well, she came in one day, was talking about the time when just that week. Guess what happened to me, girls? I slipped out of my bed because I couldn't, I couldn't catch myself. But when I slipped out of bed, I felt okay, but my nightgown came off. So I'm trying to crawl to the kitchen and I wasn't, didn't have anything on. And my daughter-in-law came in and saw me. And so she's laughing about it. And so then another lady says, well, and she's in a scooter and has MS. So I remember telling my, I slipped and my bra strap got hung on a cabinet door and I couldn't get off. Well, then another one. So I remember, and they started just talking about all these accidents they had because of their limitations, but they were laughing about it. They were having the best time just kind of making, uh, not taking themselves seriously and enjoying the company of connecting and being with each other. And that was so powerful. Me, I was, 
I was the group leader, but I was sitting back with my mouth open, just amazed at their resilience and their tenacity with all that. So it can happen. And that was the beauty of connection. That was the beauty of that support group. That's a place they could go and they could be understood. So I just want to leave that word with, you know, we talk about stress and marriage and relationships. Oh, it can be so great. It can be so good when you have that, the power of that connection. Finding your community to connect with is so important. Absolutely. That's right. Kathy, thank you. Uh, gosh, Pam, <laughs> well, I always say I learned something from our podcast, but there's there's a lot here to apply. You know, it's one thing to learn or listen. Uh, it's another to apply, right? So we, we're going to leave the homework with our, our listeners is some application um, you know, kind of do that self-check, right? Of how's your mindset? I loved how Kathy, you described about, you know, during a crisis, it's, it's either danger or an opportunity and, and to kind of check our mindset there, how we're going to go about doing that. And then also focus in on focus, you know, using that word focus. Uh, th- those are very important things, right, Pam? That's right. And I think we should also leave them to challenge them to come to a class to uh, refuel. That's right. Yeah, we've got a lot of opportunities coming up for you guys to be a part of, whether it's um, something that's creative or non-creative. Sometimes, you you know, there is a little creative outlet, right? Some painting and you may say, oh, I'm not, I'm not a painter. I'm not an artist. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. That's the most important thing. So, Kathy, thank you for joining us and, and for uh, sharing lots of good information for our listeners um, gosh, I think that um, this may be one of the ones that people need to go back and listen to two or three times. That's right. Well, it was my pleasure to do that. Uh, I get excited about the potential that you can have even in a crisis. That's great. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you again for that. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for joining us. And be sure and share this podcast with maybe your caregiver, your spouse. Hey, this is a good one I listened to. You ought to listen to this. Um, And then it gives you a good opportunity to discuss uh, the various pieces and parts of the podcast. And I know that we always, Pam, we always reflect back on some of our other podcasts. You guys can always find our podcast on Spotify or uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and go back through. Um, There's a wealth of information from last year uh, that has, uh, you know, 52, because we did them one a week. Uh, of great opportunities for you guys to work on uh, various pieces and parts and get resources for your tools, as Pam said earlier, your tool bag. That's right. That's right. Join us next week for another great episode. That's right. We will see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Make sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media for news and updates. If you'd like more information about the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website, 24survivorship.org. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.